Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire Church, Unstoppable Part 3. First of all, I just, again, like to shout out the Katinas leading us in worship during this time. We are blessed by your worship, and I'm sure everyone who's watching today can agree. I just want to take a moment to encourage you. Uh, August has been a time to refresh and reset. We were challenged a few weeks ago just to go back and actively wait on the Lord to get back into our word and cultivate our prayer life in this time to really maybe do what we wanted to do in the pandemic early on, but we kind of looked back and didn't get to do. And so August has been just a time to reset, refresh, and to focus on God. And I know I've been doing that. I know the team has been doing that. And I hope you've been joining with us. And if you haven't started yet, would you just consider this week to dive deeper and to go harder after Christ in this time. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. I'll have it for you on the screen too, but I would love for you to follow along if you could open up to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And the scripture reads like this, and we're going to read, we're going to get into several verses here, but I actually just want to focus in on verse 42 right now. The scripture reads like this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I'm going to read that again. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. I want to kind of pull out of that scripture for a moment. Uh, This scripture actually makes a list. It it, it captures the characteristics of the unstoppable church. And and we're going to kind of go into those characteristics. Well, really, we're going to focus on one characteristic in particular. But before we do, we're kind of landing right in the middle of Acts chapter 2. So what I'd like to do is take a step back and give you some context You see, in verse 1, Jesus had just ordered his disciples to shelter in place and actively wait. And he told them, uh, you will be my witnesses uh, in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But, But before you witness, before you go out and accomplish this task that I have for you, you're going to wait for my Father to send to you the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he will empower you. And so the 120 of Jesus' followers are in an upper room, and, and, and they're actually in Jerusalem during this time, and they have, Jerusalem has just celebrated the Passover, well, the biggest holiday and feast in the Jewish tradition, and they were getting ready to celebrate uh, the day of Pentecost, and in fact, when Israel would celebrate the Passover, those Israelites that lived across the globe that were dispersed in different areas would actually pilgrimage back to the city of Jerusalem. And so during this time, Jerusalem would be uh, full of millions of people. And so 
as the 120 are kind of gathered in the upper room praying and, and waiting for this promise of the Holy Spirit, there are actually thousands of people kind of gathered by this upper room. And what we see in Acts chapter 2 is while the 120 followers are praying, the Holy Spirit falls in a very unique supernatural way, tongues of fire, all 120 begin to speak this gibberish language and, and people on the outside are wondering what in the world is going on in that upper room. It was like a club. In fact, they really thought it was a party. Uh, scripture tells us that, that the thousands that were kind of looking at this spectacle, they were even kind of thinking, well, are they drunk? Like, what is wrong? Are they high? What is wrong with everybody in this room? And but as they began to listen closely, something interesting was taking place. They realized that they weren't speaking gibberish. They were actually speaking in different languages and dialects. And those Jews that had come back to Jerusalem began to hear those speaking in different dialects worship God in their own language. And in that moment, Scripture tells us that Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, stands up and begins to explain to everybody what is going on. And here's what he tells them. He says, look, what you're witnessing, this, this odd spectacle that you are witnessing in this time right now is actually a fulfillment of a prophecy from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. Peter goes to say, this is the, end, the last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Not only that, but this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you are now witnessing is an indicator, a sign that Jesus Christ is not only alive, but that he is reigning over his people. And what's really beautiful is that Peter begins to preach the gospel, and what we're told is that 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus on that day. And, and what's crazy is because the church literally uh, multiplies overnight. I mean, could you imagine uh, if we woke up and, and went back to the Crown Plaza and, and uh, instead of the typical 160, 170 people that are there on Sundays, uh, all of a sudden there were 3,000 people. I mean, we wouldn't even know what to do with that many people, yet Peter preaches the gospel and, and the church is birthed that Day, the unstoppable church's birth that day. And so they go from 120 people to 3,120 members overnight. And so the question becomes what are we going to do with all these people? Where, not just where are they going to go, but, but what are, what are they going to devote themselves to? And so verse 42 answers that question. And it answers that question by listing out those activities the church began to regularly engage in, devote their lives to. And, and some of the activities, uh, um, uh, are the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and I'll explain that. They had devoted themselves to, to prayer, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. But, but these activities have been called marks of a disciple, 
Uh, uh, these activities have also been called the, the resurrection practices of the church because the, the church uh, that remains faithful to these activities basically visibly demonstrate Christ's lordship and the reality of his resurrection. And so uh, the church for all time, whenever you see them engaging in these resurrection practices, it's a visible uh, uh, confirmation that Christ is king and that Christ is reigning over his church. And so there was a devotion to the apostles' teaching, right? So the apostles basically passed down what they learned from Jesus during his life. But they didn't just pass down what they learned from Jesus during his life. They also passed down what they learned from Jesus after his resurrection. If you remember that story, Jesus he resurrects, and then he spends 40 days with the apostles teaching them about the kingdom. And so this 3,120 devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And it says they devoted themselves to prayer. They regularly participated in prayers in the temple. They would hold uh, 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 prayer meetings in homes. And number three, and I, I want to focus on this this morning they were devoted to fellowship, or, or the Greek word that I think many of us are familiar with is koinonia. And, and, and they, they, demonstrated this, uh, 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 they demonstrated this koinonia devotion in three expressions. There are three ways that they demonstrated fellowship. They demonstrated koinonia. And again, I want to focus here. And the first one is they shared meals. The second one is they shared proceeds. And the third is that they shared the Lord's Supper. And so why are we focusing on koinonia right now? In our Unstoppable series, uh, what's the purpose of focusing specifically on koinonia? Well, I believe that this pandemic has uniquely disrupted our koinonia. Uh, this pandemic has uniquely disrupted our ability to fellowship. And if fellowship is an essential resurrection practice of the church, the question becomes, how can we preserve our fellowship? How can we preserve our koinonia in this time? And so let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for everyone who's tuning in. I pray a blessing. I pray that your word wouldn't come back void, but it would accomplish all that has been set out to do. Lord, we just thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was thinking about how I can explain or illustrate koinonia. And as I was thinking about koinonia, uh, I thought about my son and I it's kind of like when we eat chocolate together. Let me tell you a story. A long time ago, I made the mistake of feeding P3 some of my chocolate. And it's almost like, you know, I hate to compare my son to a dog, <laughs> but it's like when you start feeding your dog under the table, right? Maybe you do it a couple of times, you think it's cute. All of a sudden, you have a permanent friend every time you go to the table. In the same way, one night, my son was hanging around while I was eating a little chocolate, and, and sometimes chocolate, a chocolate bar is my guilty pleasure. I watch TV and Netflix with a chocolate bar. And so P was walking around. He got a little curious, so I, I kind of broke off a little piece, and I gave it to him. 
Well, I created a monster. Uh, he loves chocolate so much that he began to ask for it almost every other week, and then it started to be weekly. Dad, can we have chocolate? And so what Jamila does now is every time she goes grocery shopping, she'll buy us a chocolate bar. She'll bring it home, and then my son and I, we will have chocolate together. And what's really funny is this has actually become a tradition. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a bonding time. Like it's like father and son just going to get fat together. And, and so we enjoy our chocolate time. And here's what's really cool is uh, when my son asks for chocolate, he never says, hey, dad, uh, give me my chocolate. Uh, he says, hey, dad, let's eat our chocolate. And this is the essence of fellowship. This is the essence of koinonia. It's not just Philip with his chocolate bar and, and me with mine. No, it's deeper and, and more costly than that. It's, it's a sharing of one thing so that it becomes our thing. And, and this intimate act of sharing then, watch, secures and affirms our deep love and relationship. That is a picture of koinonia, and that is a picture of the unstoppable church. And so I want to continue reading. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 44 through 46. Scripture reads like this. When all who believed were together and had all things in common... And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. So these verses flesh out the expressions of koinonia in the early church. And again, three ways of sharing, I, I, three ways that koinonia is expressed. I'm going to repeat it to you again, and then we are going to hit these three ways together one by one. So the first one is this. It's a sharing, they shared mills. Number two, they shared proceeds and then number three, they shared the Lord's Supper. So let's talk about sharing meals. The people of God regularly sat down to share meals together. Can I get an amen? Like, can somebody type amen? In fact, here's what I want you to do. In your comment box right now, some of you are feeling a little nostalgic. On Sundays, you go to church, and afterwards, you got your favorite lunch spot. I'm wondering right now if you would just shout out in your comment box right now, where is your favorite place to eat lunch on a Sunday? Because I'm going to tell you what, if there's one thing Christians are really good at, if there's one thing uh, that they really love to do after service, it's go out and eat. I know my dad likes La Piñata. He likes Dos Hermanos. He likes all those spots. Sometimes they even hit up Sizzler. Sizzler was like the old school spot that we used to go to back when I was a kid. My, my dad still loves Sizzler. So, so, man, Christians, they love to go out to eat. And I want you to know that this was a tradition of the early church. I want you to think about it, though. And I want you to really think about this. It's really not about the food, though. It's about the community. It's about presence. 
it's not, and, and, and it's not that I miss restaurants in this pandemic, even though I, I kind of do, but, but I can door dash, right? I can order takeout. It's that I miss you, right? I miss our conversations. I, I miss our laughter. I miss going to Texas Roadhouse with the crew. I miss our shared presence together over a meal. And what's really amazing, uh, Pastor Matt Lacey a few weeks ago did an excellent job of breaking down the significance, right, of the table. Uh, At the table, we don't just eat, amen. Uh, We share our fears and our concerns at the table. At the table, we share our hopes and dreams. At the table, we receive godly wisdom and and timely prayer. And and even though uh, this pandemic has temporarily robbed us of being able to go out and eat, it has not robbed us from being able to still be present. But I have to warn you, the gift of presence is going to cost you. The gift of presence is going to cost you. You see, if you want to be present, if you want to practice unstoppable fellowship in koinonia, it's going to cost you availability. You see, the gift of presence asks you to give up control of your calendar and to allow someone else to regularly enter into your space and your time. You see, the gift of presence is going to cost you. The the gift of presence is going to also cost you not just your availability, it's going to cost you uh, reciprocation. It'll mean you'll actually have to make an effort to text somebody back. I know there's some people watching, you always say, man, I'm not really good at getting back to you. I want to tell you, (laughs) community and koinonia is not just somebody reaching out, but you responding to that. It'll cost you reciprocation. It'll mean you'll have to go from saying, what can I get, to what can I give. Let me talk a little bit about koinonia and and, and it costing you reciprocation. I I remember having a discussion with somebody who was not really filling small groups. And I get it. We get tired and we got a lot of things going on. And I'm not here as a pastor to force anybody to do something that they don't want to do. But I remember them telling me, I asked them, well, why, what, what about small groups? Why, why is that so hard for you? Why don't you like it? And, and, and they said to me this, well, I don't get anything out of it. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? That's the problem. You should go to give, not to get. I want you to know koinonia is not one-sided. In fact, we have, sometimes we have shallow relationships, not just outside of the church, but in the church. I wonder how many people are watching right now and saying to themselves, you know what? I'm the one that always reaches out, but nobody reaches back out to me. I know we also have people on the other side where people are always reaching out to you, but you don't reach back. Koinonia is going to cost you reciprocation. It's going to cost you not just always trying to get something, but give something during our Zoom connection. I used to always tell everybody on our Zoom, shout out to everybody who was on my Zoom during this time, but I used to always say to them, hey, thank you for coming tonight. You may not have wanted to come and you may not have got anything out of it, but your presence encourages me. You see, we don't think that way. But when we talk about koinonia, when we talk about fellowship, we're talking about it's going to cost you availability, reciprocation. But that's not all it's going to cost you. It's also going to cost you courage, right? 
Why? Because isolation is so much safer, <laughs> right? If we could just kind of isolate and not be around people, it's just so much safer, right? Uh, giving someone the gift of presence requires that I overcome my fears of rejection, that I overcome my fears of betrayal, that I overcome my fears of being let down and hurt. And I want you to listen. Although it might be much easier to stay isolated, it's definitely less satisfying. Koinonia is going to cost you availability. It's going to cost you reciprocation. It's going to cost you courage. And right now, especially in this pandemic season, it's going to cost you creativity. <laughs> it's going to cost you creativity. We can't just go out to lunch together anymore. And so does Koinonia stop then? Do we stop the fellowship? Do we stop the resurrection practice of the church? Absolutely not. It's going to cost you creativity. You know, one of the questions, how, how are you using technology in this time to give the gift of presence to others? Are you using your phone? Are you making those calls to your friends? Actually, I just want to say this, and this is not a prophecy, but there's somebody right now listening, and you might be hearing me, and you know what? There might be a tug on your heart that you need to check in on a friend that you've been trying to check in on, or maybe not trying to, but you've been thinking about, but you haven't did it yet. Now's the time. It's time for you to utilize your technology to connect. I know we've been able to figure out ways as a church to do this. During Theology and Copy, we, we've, had a, a, we've had a virtual lobby for people to come in prior to Theology and Copy and get koinonia and get connection. Yeah, it's behind a screen and it isn't like reality, but there is a connection, a fight to keep this resurrection practice alive. I want to inspire some people out there. Maybe you should do a, a Zoom lunch. I know there's been a few families of mine, a few couples that we've been getting together. We've watched three movies together. We'll set up the Zoom account, and we'll all start the movie at the same time. We'll make jokes, and we'll laugh. Yeah, it's not the same, but there's still connection. And I'm wondering, what would it look like for Inspire Church to get creative? What would it look like for you to think about, man, how can I connect with people I haven't been connected with? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you availability. It's going to cost you reciprocation. It's going to cost you courage. And it's going to cost you creativity. Listen, we may not be able to physically sit down together and share a meal just yet. But we can still very much continue to give to one another the gift of presence. Koinonia is not just shared meals or shared community, but it is also shared proceeds. Scripture tells us that the church sold their possessions, <laughs> collected what they made from the sale. I want you guys to know this wasn't a garage sale just to make a couple of extra bucks so you can put it in your vacation stash. They sold their possessions, collected what they had made, and then they redistributed the funds to those in the church who were in need. And I love this because we often think of Christian fellowship in relational terms, right? Don't we think, man, I'm going to go hang out with my friends and we're going to fellowship. I don't know if anyone says that. Christians say, I know it can be kind of weird. Like we have fellowship halls. We hang out to have fellowship, like fellowship times come to fellowship night. And typically when we think about the word fellowship and we speak our Christianese, whatever that is, right? Fellowship is relational, 
But I want you to know koinonia, fellowship, also expresses itself out in the body of Christ in the form of generosity. You see, deep koinonia doesn't just express itself out relationally, it expresses itself out in generosity. Listen, how the church cared for one another, not just relationally, but financially, gave credibility to their claim that Christ was present in their shared lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was a lot, but I need you to hear me. How the church financially cared for one another, uh, gave credibility to their claim that Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit was among them. Don't misunderstand, y'all. This isn't socialism, okay? <laughs> this isn't communism, right? This, this is grace. This is a church that has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that gift has radically redefined their giving. Now, listen, I, I know this pandemic has threatened to disrupt our generosity, Amen. There, there are people who have lost their jobs. There are people who are afraid of losing their jobs. There are pr- people out there. I mean, I'll give you a good example. When this pandemic first started, for some reason, people began to hoard toilet paper, right? Everybody knows the story of toilet paper. Like you would go to the Targets, the Walmarts, wherever it was, and the toilet paper nationwide was sold out. And it was crazy phenomenal because I'm not quite sure why toilet paper why, is so vital. I'm not sure like how that phenomenon got started. All I know is that there was a season where there was no toilet paper. And then do you remember having to get in line and like you could only buy like one or two pieces of toilet paper? Why did we even get into that in the first place? Well, because people didn't just buy what they needed, but they began to hoard for themselves so that others couldn't even purchase. And so when a pandemic comes, when a calamity comes, like our, our tendency, our, our default is to not be generous, but, to, but to, be, to hoard and keep to ourselves. And I recognize that this pandemic has threatened our generosity. But can I just say this? Inspire Church, I'm super proud of you. I'm super thankful You know, churches have folded in this season because people have stopped giving. But I'm so proud of you, Inspired Church, because you've continued to give and the church continues and the mission moves forward. I'm so proud of you. And, And what's so crazy is we did something during the pandemic that we've never done before. This is crazy. We did something during the pandemic as a church that we've never done before. Let me tell you what we did. Every week now, when you give, right? Every week when we say, you know, Jeffrey comes up and says, hey guys, this is my favorite time, right? (laughs) It truly is his favorite time. Every time he invites you to give, we say text to give. Here's what happens. You're not only giving to the mission of the church, but, but part of what you give now gets put into a fund. Now, what is that fund? That fund is a benevolence fund. It's designed to help those who are in unique financial need in this time. Let me tell you a story. I happened to catch wind of a single mom, loves Inspire, gives to Inspire, attends Inspire faithfully, and during this time, because of the pandemic, the hours at her job were cut in half. She had actually just moved into a new place, 
And what began to happen was she began to not only work during the days, but then she would door dash at night. Some of you know what I'm talking about and do everything she could to stay afloat, but it just wasn't working. She was sinking. Can I tell you something? She didn't want to be, she didn't ask. She didn't even, she didn't even want to, she wanted nothing to do with benevolence fund. She was going to figure it out herself, but she was sinking it. And we caught wind of it. And, 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 we, and, and through some conversations, we were able to have a conversation. I just remember on the phone, so thankful, so appreciative, in tears, and talking about how she was going to pay us back. And, and I remember just saying, you know what? This is God's gift to you. Just like his son, Jesus Christ, has been given to you freely, freely receive this gift and do not feel bad about it because this is what koinonia looks like. This is what it looks like. Listen, just like the church's external witness is centered on the proclamation of the gospel, its internal witness is centered on the demonstration of the gospel by its members financially supporting those who are in need. Just like in Acts 2, because you remained generous, inspired church. Just like in Acts 2, unstoppable church, because you, inspired church, remained generous in this time, people are being helped and, and their faith is being strengthened in the process. There are unknown people, unknown names that every time you give, people are being blessed. It's my honor to make phone calls and have conversations with these people who will weep and, and be blessed by what you are giving. Unstoppable church koinonia is about generosity. And even though the pandemic threatens our generosity, we are unstoppable this is evidence, guys. <laughs> like if you wanted evidence, this is evidence that God is among us. This is evidence that Christ is our king. It blows my mind. Think about it. In a time when people and organizations are rightfully afraid to lose money, Inspire Church created a fund to give money away. Let me say that again. In a time when people and organizations are rightfully afraid to lose money, Inspired Church created a fund to give money away. That is a sign that God is among us. Jesus is our king. This is our pandemic legacy. A lot of churches are saying, well, what are you learning in the pandemic? How is your church going to forever change? Man, we're going to change in so many different ways. I mean, we're going to have an online presence that we've never had before. But you know what I'm most proud of? In the pandemic, Inspire Church got more generous. <laughs> more generous than we've ever been before. And this is our legacy. This is our legacy at a church that during the pandemic, we became more generous, not less. So how do we cultivate? Right, that's the question. Yo, that's how do I cultivate that kind of godly generosity that flows out of koinonia? How do I do that? How do we do that? Let, let me tell you two things. Number one, I want you to remember this. This kind of supernatural generosity can't be forced. It can't be forced. Right? It, it's not inspired by a command. 
right? If your generosity is based upon because the Bible says so, right? It's going to be a generosity that lacks joy, amen? It's going to be like a bitter generosity. I got to give it to you. you know, it's going to be an obligational generosity, not from the heart. There's no joy in it. And if it takes a command to tell you to give during this time, look, you might as well not give. And so this kind of generosity can't be forced. It's supernatural. Number two, this kind of generosity can only be cultivated, listen, in response to grace. The only way that somebody could explain this kind of giving and this kind of season is not if they're under compulsion by obligation, but if they're compelled by love. It's only by grace. In order for a people to let go of anything, right? Here's just a good rule of thumb. In order for a people to let go of anything, especially money and earthly possessions, they first have to be taken hold of something greater. The unstoppable church is unstoppable in its generosity because it first realizes how generous God is to them. You can't, listen, you can't give freely until you know, much, know how much you've been freely given. I got to say that again. You can't give freely until you know how much you've been freely given. And I love this. The overall lifestyle of an unstoppable church is characterized, are you ready, by grace and gratitude. Grace and gratitude in everything, right? Not, not just our bank accounts, our wallets, and our purses, but in everything. Our generosity is simply gratitude for what Christ has given us by his grace. Anyone who struggles with giving, when they have the means to give, probably also struggles with receiving what Christ has freely gave them. I have three exhortations, Inspired Church, for all of you that are watching right now as your pastor. Three exhortations. Number one, to those who have been faithfully giving in this time, thank you. Thank you. Don't stop. <laughs> Don't stop. Thank you. Don't stop. Number two, to those who cannot give and find yourself in a financially broken place, let us know. Let us know. Let me know. We want to help you. Finally, number three. To those who can give but have been allowing something to hold you back, now is a beautiful time to begin to start giving again. It's my prayer. Listen, this is so important. Pastor Roger and I aren't driving around in Bentleys. This isn't a prosperity gospel teaching message. From the very beginning, I've always told the church, I'm not afraid to talk about money. You want to know why? Because we can disciple everything else, but not disciple your wallet. Your checkbook, and I don't even know if we use that anymore, needs discipleship just as much as anything else. But here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that Inspire would not just survive this season, but that we would thrive. My prayer is that Inspire, man, we wouldn't just kind of inch to the finish line, man, I just can't wait till we all get back together, and man, every month we gotta, my prayer is that we wouldn't just survive this season, that we would thrive in this season and continue to move towards authentic koinonia fellowship. 
three shares that went on authentic koinonia in the unstoppable church. First is they shared a meal. The second is they shared their possessions and proceeds. And finally, number three, they shared the Lord's Supper. They shared the Lord's Supper. And I got to be honest. If there's one place that I think that this pandemic has been successful at disrupting us in, it's been the Lord's Supper. Right? We haven't in over probably 180 days taken communion together as a church. Right? We've been probably practicing these koinonia practices in different ways. But if there's one thing right now, as I stand here, to be honest with you, that's been disrupted by this pandemic, it's our ability to come together as a church and take communion. You see, why do we take communion? Right? It, it, it's during communion where we gather as a community, right? Hence the word communion because there's community. You don't take communion alone in isolation. You take it with the family of God because what Christ has done is not just for an individual, but what he's done is he's brought us all together as a family. Communion is community. And, and in that community, what do we do? We commemorate Christ as the perfect embodiment of koinonia. Like everything Christ wants us to be to one another, he was to us. He embodied fellowship. He embodied koinonia. And we celebrate that in the communion. You see, on the cross, Christ was rejected by the Father so that you and I could have relational access to the Father. On the cross, Christ made himself poor, he impoverished himself. He was in heaven, in glory, in, in his pre-incarnate self. And then he came down, he put on flesh, and, and, and he began to walk among us. He, he impoverished himself. He put on humility, and he was impoverishing himself even to the point of death on the cross. You see, in the cross, on the cross, Christ, who was abundantly rich, became terribly poor, and he gave us his riches and glory and righteousness. Every time we take communion, we are celebrating the embodiment of Christ as our koinonia. On the cross, he was forsaken by God so that you and I could be in relationship with God. On the cross... He was impoverished, stripped of his riches so that you and I can have access to them. Christ on the cross is freely given to us now. Watch. <laughs> and this is what we celebrate. You ready? Here it is. Christ on the cross has freely given to us now what we now freely give to each other. You see that? That's why the body of Christ, when it comes together and it practices these, these resurrection practices, when it expresses koinonia, it is giving evidence that Christ is alive, that what he has freely given to us, we now give to one another. This is why we share meals and give each other the gift of presence. This is why we share proceeds and move in godly generosity. And this is why we share the Lord's Supper so that we will never forget that what we are giving to each other is a testimony of what Christ has given to us.
I'm gonna let you in on a little bit of a secret because some of you might be thinking, man, when are we gonna take communion? <laughs> I'm gonna give you just a little secret. The staff and I, we've been praying. August is a month of resetting and refreshing and we're getting prepared to unleash a new vision in September for the church. We're so excited to get there. And I'm gonna leak a little bit of vision right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you in, don't tell nobody. I'm gonna let you in a little bit of secret. One of our visions is we need to have communion as a family again. And so we plan to have a night of communion and worship together outside. It's gonna be amazing and beautiful. I'm not gonna give you the date just yet, but it's coming because it is a resurrection practice that the pandemic has disrupted, but we are not gonna allow it to disrupt anymore. Little bit of a vision leak. Listen, if the church practices koinonia regularly, it becomes a visible sign of the resurrected Christ. And I want you to see this, and I'm going to end here. When the church begins to practice koinonia, look what happens at the very end of our scriptures today. It says that the people on the outside looked at the church on the inside. And then the community, the church began to add day by day. <laughs> Talk about a church growth plan right? Pastors, leaders will go to conferences. How do I build a church? How do I get the church bigger, right? Uh, let's get better kids programs, better lights, better worship, fog machines, cooler pastor, right? All of these different things to get people to come in. But in the unstoppable church formula, it says that the people on the outside looked at the church on the inside and saw how they were practicing koinonia. And that inspired them to come and see who is this God that you serve? Who is this Jesus that you talk about? We can't allow this pandemic to stop us. We are unstoppable. God is doing a new thing. And I'm so honored to be a part of this ministry in this season, in this time, in this time of history as we move forward as a church. I love you guys so much. Let me pray with you. In fact, if there's anybody watching right now, maybe you don't know Jesus is your savior. Maybe you've just been, I don't know, by chance, gliding through Facebook and came across this sermon and something has compelled you to listen. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your savior. And maybe you're like, man, all of those things are beautiful. You mean to tell me Christ has given me all those things? I want you to know that all those things that Christ has given the church is made available for you if you would just put your faith and trust in him. And so if that's you right now, you might be asking, well, how, how, how do I become a follower of Jesus? How, how do I enter into this beautiful community? And I would say this right now, just trust in the work of Jesus. What's his work? His life, his death, and his resurrection. He lived a perfect life. And then he was nailed to a cross. And on the cross, he was punished by God, not for his sin, but for your sin. And if you would just put your faith in that work, he'll be your savior. And this church will be your community. So heavenly father, I pray for inspired church, unstoppable church. 
Lord, you have so much in store for us. We are just getting started. I pray that we would begin to move in koinonia. I pray that everyone who is listening to the sound of my voice, the Holy Spirit, you would inspire them to be more generous, to give the gift of presence, to begin to give in generosity. I pray that Inspire Church would not just survive this season, that we would thrive in this season, and we would be able to be to one another what Jesus Christ is to us. Lord, we live by grace and gratitude. When we realize the grace you've given to us, we respond in gratitude. And we can't help but give. And we can't help but share meals and presents with one another. And we can't help but commemorate what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, I love you. I praise you. And I know you're doing great things in the hearts of those that are watching. And I pray you would continue to walk with us as we step into this next phase and we become unstoppable. For your honor, not for ours. For your fame, not for ours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. Let's continue to be unstoppable. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.